Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Wijha Initiative podcast. These podcast episodes are recordings of our past events that we hold in person on a weekly basis. We hope that by listening to the podcast, you'll be inspired to join us at an event. To keep up with our work, please follow us on Instagram. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa sallallahu wa sallama wa baraka ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een Allahumma allimna ma yanfa'una wa anfa'na bima allamtana wa zidna ilman wa amalan ya Rabbil Alameen amma ba'd So the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we want to cover today are two The first one is the name of Allah Al-Hayi, and we need to pronounce it correctly, not Al-Hayi, Al-Hayiyu, with two yas. And the second one is As-Sittiru, these are the two names, Al-Hayiyu and As-Sittiru. And these two names come from a hadith of the Prophet wasallam, narrated by Al-Imam Abu Dawood in his Sunan where he, the Prophet ﷺ informs us of these names. And he says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ حَيِّيٌّ سِتِّيرٌ يُحِبُّ الْحَيَاءَ وَالسِّتْرَةِ أو كَمَا قَالَ عَلَيْهِ الصَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامُ That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is Hayy and He is Sitir. He loves Al-Hayā and He loves Al-Sitr. Now, that was literally a translation without a translation, I know. On purpose, because we want to understand these names. The first name, Al-Hayi, it comes and has a relation to the word Haya. Many of us will know the word Haya, modesty. Now in the human context, when we speak of modesty, what are we speaking about? What does it mean to be modest? And actually that's a whole, a very important conversation to have. Because I think there are misconceptions about what hayat means. Sometimes we, we think of hayat purely in external terms. Meaning it has everything and only to do with how your external appears. And that's not really the essence of hayat. The essence of hayat has to do with your conduct, with who you are and how you behave. And so it's both internally and inter- externally, hayat is important. But in the human context, what does that really mean? What does that mean to have haya? It comes from a place of meekness, submissiveness to Allah, that we avoid those things that are considered shameful. Allah has declared certain things that are to, to be impermissible, certain things to be against, against modesty, against good behavior. Out of the fear of Allah and out of regard for Him subhanahu wa ta'ala, to avoid those things is to be modest. Do you understand? It's to uphold a certain conduct in public and in private. And in private. And it's it's with regards not just to... See, most people think of haya in what regard? In relation to the opposite gender. Is it not? When you speak of haya, people think, okay, with the opposite gender. And definitely that's, 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 that's definitely a component. There is haya with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To have haya before Allah. Right? And, and that's why 
We don't just pray however we pray. We don't just stand up and pray. The scholars have mentioned in the Hanafi school, if there are clothes that you would not wear in public, you should not wear them when you're praying. That's not the right attire to stand before your Lord in. You wouldn't go before creation in that attire. How can you go before your Lord and stand before Him in those clothes? That's like the barometer, like the gauge, the litmus test. Would I wear these clothes in public? No? Then I probably shouldn't be praying in them. That's probably not the ideal clothes and the most appropriate clothes to present myself before my Lord in. You get where I'm coming from? Hayat with Allah. Hayat with, obviously, creation. We have haya in how we speak about the Prophet How our relationship with the Prophet is one of haya. It's not one of arrogance and, and one of uh, indecency or we say things about the Prophet. That's why the scholars are very particular about how we even speak about him. Look, you and I would not let people speak about those who are dear to us anyhow, call them names, refer to them with certain you know, nicknames. For example, one that's pretty common is people don't like when their mother is insulted. If it's, if it's not true, right? Why do you care? Of course you care. You're like, no, no, no. It, it doesn't matter if it's true or not true. That's my mother. That's off limits. You don't say that. Have some, have some dignity. Have some self-respect. Don't speak like that. That's against the basic conduct. So what about the Prophet That we attach labels to him and nicknames to him and stuff like that, that people speak in, careless, in a careless manner about him. The scholars are particular about haya with the Prophet So, this name Al-Hayi is related to this word haya, but not in the human context. Does not come from a place of shame or meekness it doesn't. It comes from a place of dignity and strength. And it's explained in, in, in other hadith. There's a hadith narrated by the, the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah is generous. And He is hayi. Again, we could translate it as modest. But we must not understand it as modesty in the human context. The hadith goes on to say, that when one of Allah's servants raises their hands to make dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not like to return that person's hands back to them empty. You understand the sense of hayat there? That Allah is so great and so generous that when someone comes to beg before Him, you and I, when we put up our hands, you know how someone comes to you and they ask you for charity? Don't you feel like, if you can't give it for whatever reason, don't you feel awkward? Or if you know you're being bamboozled into giving. You know what I'm talking about when you go to Shoppers Drug Mart? And you buy $100 worth of groceries? And there's like hella chocolates in there and stuff that you don't need? Would you like to donate $2 to breast cancer? And you're like, dude, I can't say no. Like you got $100 for chocolate and everything, but you don't got $2 for breast cancer? Do you have like a stone up in your chest? Like, are you a human? You understand? Like, you feel so guilty. You go to self-checkout, so you don't have to face the human, right? It's like, no, right? You know what I'm saying? You don't want to do that. But there's this kind of, it's this dignity, this kind of thing we have. We don't like to turn people away empty-handed. 
empty-handed. Is it not the case? Like, like I, I can't give you the money, but you know what? I'll share it on, on Instagram. I don't have anything to contribute, but you know what? I'll tell people. Like, I don't want to leave you at your time of need. Look, you're not really responsible for them, right? Technically speaking, it's not all on your shoulders to do to help that person. Of course, of course. We each, if we're able to, it is a good thing to do. But you could say no. Imagine Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the king of all kings, the one who has endless treasures, when someone comes to ask him. You feel awkward? You feel you dislike turning people away? With all the OSAP debt that you have? Allah with his endless treasures does not like to turn people away. He's hayy, and so he gives. And that's why we're taught in hadith to ask. To ask. And we're taught, you know when you go to a human being over and over again, they start to like ignore your phone calls, they don't pick up, because you're always calling for something. Oh, it's so-and-so? Oh, what do they need now? Right? Whereas, we are taught over that when the servant of Allah does not ask Allah, Allah is displeased. Why? Why? Allah does not need our asking. But Allah loves to give. He loves to give. Why do we not turn to the one who loves to give us? And I mention this hadith often, the famous hadith in Sahih Muslim, where the Prophet ﷺ mentions, يَنزِلُ رَبُّنَا تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَى كُلَّ لَيْلَةٍ حِينَ يَبْقَى ثُلُثُ اللَّيْلِ الْآخِرُونَ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you could read this hadith mu'awwal, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appoints an angel, if we read it interpreted. The literal translation would be, Allah Himself descends to the lowest heaven in the last third of the night, every night, not Ramadan or something. Every single night, Allah descends to the lowest heavens in the last third. And He makes an announcement. He makes an announcement. Is there anybody who needs anything that I may give it to them? The whole day, you and I, we ask Allah. Right? The whole day, after prayer and other times, we ask Allah. And in the last third of the night, our master subhanahu wa ta'ala asks us, Hey, do you need something? And we're out. We're out. And you know what? Nowadays, nowadays, like the time that we're living, like right now, October and November, December, do you know how easy it is to, to, to catch that time? That prime time? How many people wait for Amazon Prime Day? How many people wait for that day? Oh, no one wants to admit it, right? Oh, we're not capitalists. We don't contribute to the system. Bezos? Screws Bezos. We buy local. Yeah, right. I'll stand outside your house and check all the packages coming, you know? No! You get my point. We wait. Some people, I know some people, they wait for that day. It's Amazon, what, I don't know what it's called, Prime Day or something. There's a day where there's deals. Every night there's a time to ask your Lord where He asks you, do you need anything? The hadith goes on. He doesn't just say, do you need anything? He says that. But he also says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, هَلْ مِنْ مُسْتَغْفِرٍ فَأَغْفِرَ له. Is there anyone to seek forgiveness that I may forgive them? And not just there. Because you might be like, well, I think I'm okay with forgiveness, man, but I could use some money. هَلْ مِنْ مُسْتَرْزِقٍ فَأَرْزُقَ Is there anybody to ask sustenance, risk 
from me so that I may give them risk. Allah is asking us and we're sleeping. The master is calling and the servants are sleeping. Do you understand? You know what time you could wake up today to do that? If you want to wake up tomorrow morning? Six o'clock. Is that still too early for some of y'all? No, six o'clock's not bad, right? I get it. In the summer, you gotta wake up like 4 a.m. to catch that, that prime time. You know what I mean? Where, where, where you're getting that last third of the night. Nowadays, Fedger enters like 6.30. So if you wake up 6 o'clock, 6.15, and you get in Turaqa'az and you make dua, you gotta wake up for Fajr anyways. Imagine you just woke up like 20 minutes early and made that dua. Who knows how many doors in your life would be opened up? How many problems would be uplifted? How much mercy of Allah you could attract? <coughs> you guys get where I'm coming from? And so we're taught, like example, you know when there's the adhan and then there's the iqamah for the prayer? How much time is there between them? 10 minutes, sometimes some messages, 15 minutes. We're taught, the dua is not rejected between adhan and iqamah. Hadith, authentic hadith, the Prophet said, when the adhan is done and before the iqamah takes place, that time is a time of acceptance for dua. There are many times when there's special times for duas to be accepted. Imagine, number one, you catch that time and you make dua. Number two, your Lord is al hayy who does not like to turn people away empty-handed. We, we, we still doubt that our Lord will give us? Do you guys understand? So let's make intention, inshallah, that we will make plenty, an abundance of dua, not just at midterms time, not just when it's time to get married, and we need to istikhara, all the time. Because we are always in need. You know, when, do you know when people come to ask me about like, Shaykh, how do you do istikhara? I know. I'm like, who is she? Who is he? I know! When they come, well, Shaykh, why? how do you make istikhara? There can be only one reason why the istikhara is being asked right here, man. That's what we've come to. We've come to making istikhara for him or her. What about istikhara for our needs, for, for the smaller decisions in life? Should I do this or not? It's for everything. Istikhara is not just for that. So, to constantly turn to Allah. I want to move on because we got limited time. And I have a bad habit of going too over the time. So I want to move to the next name, which is such a beautiful name. As-Sittiru. Allah loves, Allah loves to conceal people's faults. Allah loves to conceal and hide people's faults and flaws. Sittir. This comes from the root letter Sin Ta'ra. Satr. You know in like other languages, Satr means like the place that needs to be covered between like the navel and the knees, right? Sittir, as-sittir, the one who loves to conceal. Now, this is why backbiting is so disliked. What happens when you backbite? You often end up exposing other people's flaws. Flaws that they didn't want to tell anybody, anybody. But we're the ones to expose them. Allah is a sitir. If anyone has a right to expose someone, it is our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala.
Allah is a sitir. He loves to hide people's flaws and mistakes. And imagine a human being who has no right to do that with another human. He exposes their sins. Ones that they dislike to be exposed. Now, sometimes we make the mistake of exposing our own sins. There's a hadith about that. Where the Prophet ﷺ said, Everybody in my ummah, Kullu ummati mu'afan illa al-mujahireen. Not muhajireen, mujahireen. Everybody in my ummah will be forgiven on the day of judgment, except those who publicly announce their sins. How do you publicly announce your sins? You could, you could tell people. You could just like verbally tell them. And people do that. Hey, last night, you know what I did? Another way you could do it. I'm sorry, my voice was like giving out. Um, so, sometimes we verbally tell people. Here's another way that's common nowadays is what? You post it on your Snapchat. Or on your Instagram story. Right? And people see where you were. People see you were at the club, you were at that concert, you were there, you were there, you were doing this, you were doing that. And nobody, maybe nobody comments, and maybe some people send you like, heart emojis. But on the Day of Judgment, yeah, on the Day of Judgment, those people will hold that against you. Oh Allah, how can you forgive that person, when I know they did that sin and you haven't punished them for that sin? I know they did it. And Allah will say, I tried to hide your sin. I hid it. You yourself didn't hide it from them. Justice is that now, if they know about it, we must punish. Allah, when He hides the sin, then we ought to hide our own sins. That is a blessing <coughs> from Allah. It's mentioned in some narrations that in past nations, what they would do is Allah had a system where if a person committed a major sin, in the morning it would be written on their front door. So and so did such and such act. Can you imagine that? Yo, I'm going to go back old school. You ever seen Sherlock Holmes? You ever seen when he has that hat that shows what he's thinking? You ever seen that? In Sherlock Holmes, this is, it's probably old school, but he has like this, this kind of camera which shows what he's thinking. Can you imagine we walked around with that? And, and people knew what you were thinking? Like there was like this like, status? So-and-so is thinking about this right now. La hawla wa la illa billah, yo. Ain't nobody up in the masjid after that. We won't have no imams, we won't have any in the masjid, no halaqah, nobody should do the halaqah, done. Everybody sit at home ashamed of themselves. Do you know what I'm saying? It is a blessing that Allah hides these things. Wallahi! Wallahi! If somebody hurts you, don't you feel like, I gotta expose them, how could they do that to me? We disobey Allah, and He still chooses to, He still chooses to hide that sin. And Allah loves those who hide the faults of others. Allah loves that. There's a hadith about this, that Allah will continue to hide your sins so long as you hide the sins of others. That's only, of course, in the case when there is not an injustice being done, when someone is being harmed, when there is some type of you know, severe abuse going on. That's different. But someone made a gen no, genuine flaw, a little mistake they made, and you know about it and you hide it, you know, in one narration it comes about Umar radiallahu anhu. You know, like to, to uphold people's dignity, to not embarrass them. 
the, the companions are sitting with Umar radiallahu an, and one of them, all of a sudden you have the smell of someone having passed wind. What does Umar radiallahu an say? Everybody get up and go make wudu. Everybody's going to get up and make wudu. Why? So that the one who did it is not embarrassed, that they, have, they alone have to stand up and go. Do you see that? I mean, look at our culture and our society. You smelt it? You know, oh, yeah, Allah. Look at, look at what we live, right? I mean, that's, look at the difference in the culture, the beauty of that. Everybody get up and make wudu. Because we don't want the one who actually did it to be embarrassed. I'll tell you one last story. And then we'll wrap up. Just, just the idea. The great Sheikh Muhammad Ratib al-Nabulusi, Hafizahullah, he narrates the story. He narrates that in Syria, there was an imam in one of the main masjids of a, of a city. An imam. And he was a great scholar. One night in his dream, he sees the Prophet ﷺ come to him and say, O oh, imam, so-and-so in your community, I want you to go and tell them that they will be rafiqi fil jannah. They will be my companion in paradise. How? The imam was first like, sad. I thought it could be me. But who's this person? And they start thinking about that person. He's like, that person just sells vegetables. Baqal. He's a simple person. Like, I gotta find out. And I have to convey that glad tidings of the Prophet The Imam went to his house and told him, Oh, so-and-so, I have come with glad tidings for you from the Prophet Before I tell you that glad tidings, you need to tell me. You need to tell me what your secret is. The man said, No, I can't tell you nothing. He's like, No, you have and insisted. Finally, the man was like, Okay, listen. He said, You know, when I was younger, I got married. I got married to a girl. Four months in, she gives birth. What does that mean? The child is not his. The child is from before marriage, out of marriage. He says, I was stuck, I had a choice. I could let everybody know that here we have a child and it's not mine. I could embarrass her, I could disgrace her. Maybe her family would even engage in an honor killing. Who knows what would happen? And sometimes in some of these cultures it happens. He was like, I could have really disgraced her. But he said, but I wanted that she would make Tawbah. Because she was a good person at heart. So he said, we made a plan. The day when it was delivery, in the middle of the night we called a midwife. The midwife came to our house and delivered the child. He said in the morning, when it was Fajr prayer, he said, I took that baby and I went to the masjid. And I stood outside in the shadows waiting. And people came into the masjid. And they kept coming. You know, everyone was coming for prayer. The imam started the prayer. Once I knew everybody had started prayer, I came in. And I dropped the baby by the... I put the baby down by the front door of the masjid. And he said, I went to join the prayer. He says, after we're finished praying, the baby starts to cry. Everybody turns around, Fajr, prayer, baby in the masjid, what's going on? And they see a baby. And they all go to the front of the, like, to, to, to where the baby is, and they're standing there. And he goes like, 
you know, there's like rows of people that come from the, from the whole village that are like gathered for Fajr. They all stand there and say, whose baby is this? And they start thinking, someone must have been embarrassed and dropped off this baby. This man comes up and said, hey, what's going on? They said, hey, somebody just left their baby here. They, I guess, abandoned their baby. He puts up his hand. He said, I'll take care of her. I'll take care of this baby. And he said, I had to pick up that baby and I took it home. And he's from that day on, everyone recognized that this is my baby. And I saved my wife from that embarrassment. He said, perhaps that's the reason that the Prophet ﷺ is giving me this glad tidings. That I chose in that scenario to uphold the honor and dignity of my wife. I, I hid her flaw. I hid her sin. May Allah Ta'ala grant us tawfiq to be such people. A pure heart who, who hide the mistakes and flaws of others and make an effort to uphold the dignity of others. Ameen Ya Rabbil Alameen. We all get up and go move our cars. Uh, yeah, BVC. ولكل وجهة هو موليها فاستبقوا الخيرات أينما تكونوا يأتي بكم الله جميعا إن الله على كل شيء قدير